made the Knights of Rainsboro protect the city from crooks and criminals. But at night, a hidden evil emerges from the shadows, and a new breed of hero must defend the city. Welcome to the Ghosts of Rainsboro. Gathered today to uh, sandbox a little Ghosts of Rainsboro. Hi, my name's Aaron, and we'll go around the table and uh, introduce ourselves. We'll start with Paul. Hi, I'm Paul. I am a co-host, and my name is in the title of uh, <laughs> Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Um, and I play the character Hair Trigger on our um, actual play podcast, Knights of Rainsboro, of which this is a spinoff. Um, some of you folks may be new to the uh, to the listenership uh, as of this recording. Uh huh. You're, oh, you're an eloquent you're an eloquent bastard, Paul. I, well, you know, I, I try to be. <laughs> and Wayne. Hey, this is Wayne. I am the rambling ricochet on the regular nights of Rainsboro. And Tim. Hi, this is Tim Pauly, and um, I also play Coyote in Nights of Rainsboro. And John. Hi, this is. John, I'm a Riptide on the, the regular Knights of Rainsboro podcast, and you'll also be hearing me on the upcoming new show, Aquaman, with Aaron, Polly, and John. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> That'll let it right out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, now, you just killed our GM. Yeah, yeah just wow. <laughs> So, uh, John, you you have uh, uh, kind of a, a close relationship to Ghosts of Rainsboro. You ran the Ghosts of Rainsboro game at Fear the Con, right? I did. I uh, I put that together for that con and uh, set up uh, set up the characters, and we had a, we had a good time playing that game. It was so, a lot of fun. So, if you can briefly uh, tell us uh, kind of what happened in that game, what that game was all about. Um, what that game was all about was the uh, um, the ghosts of Rainsboro were kind of the supernatural watchdogs of the city, and uh, some things some things happened um, in the uh, in the undercity, I suppose is what we'd call it, where uh, there was a a uh, an evil sorcerer who was trying to bring a a nasty otherworldly creature through so that he could uh, become uh, Become powerful and uh, and uh, reign over the world is what his plan was, and the ghosts were able to track him down and find out what was going on and put an end to it. How'd that work out for him? Well, he wound up uh, kind of like eaten by the by the gigantic uh, Cthulhuoid creature that he tried to summon, so that didn't go too well for him. Mm. And uh, uh, his his underground lair was collapsed on top of him in the end, along with a a lot of his uh, a lot of his minions. I see, I so, see. So, yeah. um, what we're doing here is we're going to be sandboxing a, uh, a a a a game of Ghosts of Rainsboro, and we use that term as kind of the the setting. You know, it's the supernatural corner of, of Rainsboro. We are uh, we're going to be sandboxing a Ghosts of Rainsboro. The, these were, are, will really essentially be uh, 
one shots. Um, you know, Rainsboro, the Knights of Rainsboro game is our, you know, regular, uh, iteration in Rainsboro. It is the, the primary setting. Uh, and, you know, that runs in seasons. Like, for instance, uh, season two is, uh, releasing, uh, currently right now. And we're getting ready to go into season three. But, you know, throughout the year, the year, we would like to come out and, and do, you know, some, some one-off sessions, such as Ghosts of Rainsboro, perhaps Squires of Rainsboro, or Rogues of Rainsboro, or some other setting in Rainsboro that we'd like to do. But, uh, the idea here is that we're going to have, you know, a special episode coming out for Halloween, uh, in 2013, uh, featuring the Ghosts of Rainsboro. So, <clears throat> as we, uh, we kind of, we, kind of groove on i want to talk about a little bit around uh what each of the players you know likes are in horror and so i know tim in particular is not a big horror fan so i want to start with you tim tell me about horror uh (laughs) so i I like i know that you're not a big you're not a big horror fan but is there a part of that genre that you you dig on well, I can speak to, to the movies that I, I thought were fun. Um, the, the kind of spoofy horror, like Gremlins, I, I, I enjoyed. I don't know if you call it a, like a horror movie now, but when I was a kid, I was like, "Yeah, this is kind of just kind of creepy, but you know, it's fun." All right, spooky uh, fun. Yeah, you know, spooky, kind of goofy fun. Like you're in trouble, but you're not in trouble. Kind of like I don't know. I, that, that's one of the things I like, but I also like kind of a less is more approach too. Like I, I I'm one of the people that kind of enjoyed the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. So that, that's well, kind of all I can speak to. I don't like uh, I don't like movies that try to make you jump as like being scary because it's just kind of a jerk move. Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't like things that appear too close to be real, kind of, you know, like when it's Freddy Krueger kind of goofiness, it's like, okay, well, it's scary, but it's not real. Right. But when you start talking about some of the, some of the ones that are closer to realistic, kind of like horror thriller kind of things, that kind of worries me. Kind of like Saw. Yeah, I, I'm not going to see that movie ever. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that off the list of things that we'll do. Uh, um, so, Wayne, how about yourself? Well, I like, I actually love a lot of the horror genres, and I like them all for different reasons. I like a good slasher fli- flick that's just over the top, you know, corny bad guy that's going around killing people for the crime of being young and attractive and those I get a big kick out of I like Tim I love Blair Witch Project though I like that long creepy that you know just leads leads up to the end tell me where you are Josh tell yeah, me where you are I love zombie movies I love there's pretty much anything about the genre I tend to love with the exception of one of the ones Tim mentioned there Saw that kind of thing doesn't uh, isn't something I enjoy. The, you know, what are the horrible things that you can make people do to themselves, or the horrible things you can do to people? There's like there's like a subgenre of that that I don't care for. Things like the Human Centipede saw, those aren't fun for me. Right. But a good old slasher flick, or you know, a really tense horror movie, or a comedy. I mean, I wouldn't call it uh, horror at all, but something like Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Huge Ghostbusters fan. 
something that can have fun with itself and like Freddy Krueger is a great comedy slash horror movie you know because all of the Nightmare on Elm Streets he's a funny murdering sociopath <laughs> and some of the best ones of those are the ones where somebody can fight back you know the when he has to fight with someone who actually has abilities in the dream world or when Jason had to fight someone with telekinetic powers that was something that was cool for me on the horror genre sure so John how about you um I think I'd have to say that my my uh my kind of horror that I probably like the best would have to be H.P. Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the uh, I love the books. I love the whole uh, um, the otherworldly monstrosities that are just waiting outside the uh, the normal everyday reality. Um, so Lovecraft probably probably my favorite kind of horror. Um, but I also like. I also like some of the older stuff. I love Hammer films from the 60s. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I love the classic Christopher Lee Dracula. Those are awesome. Um, yeah, I love yeah. them myself. I, I am not a sparkling vampire guy at all. Um, <laughs> so I like those. I like the even the even older stuff, you know, like Creature from the Black Lagoon and, and – um, even some of the, uh, I guess maybe you'd call them horror genre, but the 50s, like giant insect movies, you know. Uh, uh, Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. Um, I really like those. Yeah, along those things, uh, John, one of my favorite movies even to date is the original Night of the Living Dead. Just classic. It, it, yeah. It's great. Uh, so I like that old stuff. Even I guess nowadays you'd call you know some of the uh, some of the '80s movies like uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, the original one. That kind of touches on a Lovecraft type theme. But you know that movie, the ending of that movie, I think was the best ending of a horror movie ever. You know the the two guys sitting there, and they know one of them is the thing. Right. And that's where the movie ends, you know. So I, I kind of like I kind of like the horror movies that get a little uh, get a little cerebral where you're where you're sitting there at the end, you know, thinking about the situation, going, "Wow, did that just happen?" Not so much of a big, you know, a gore and slasher fan. I like the more uh, you know, mess with your mind kind of horror things too. Mm-hmm. Well, Paul, yes, sir. I know you have kind of a passing relationship to horror. A little bit. Is it really not your thing? Yeah, I'm not really a big fan. Um, <laughs> I'm really more of a Disney movie fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No, I um huge, huge horror fan. Um, you know, I, I, basically everything everyone said I like. Uh, the Thing is probably one of my favorite films in general, not just horror films. Um, in fact, I, I, my two favorite films of all time are actually both John Carpenter films. They're mm-hmm. The Thing and Halloween. Um, the original that, Halloween. Did you ever play uh, the Thing game for PS2? Oh, yeah. God, I love that game. It's a great game. Yeah. Well, and I particularly like it when your troops turn on you. <laughs> <laughs> so. He's not acting right. Get him. Shoot him. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, I, that happened a lot to me. <laughs> kind of a metaphor for my for my leadership in life. So. Yeah. <clears throat> turn on so, your leader. So Paul, you know you uh, you obviously are, are are crazy about the spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. So you know I hear you kind of like it all, but what's your favorite stuff? 
<sighs> you know, um, it really depends on my mood, but generally I do like the films that, uh, like John said, are a little more cerebral. Um, maybe not just cerebral, but, you know, I like things that are a little bit more of a slow burn. I mean, I love films like, um, you know, I love slasher films. I mean, you know, the Jason films and the Freddy films and the Chucky films. And, you know, I, I get a big kick out of those types of things. I, I actually, you know, uh, Tim and Wayne were talking about the, ho- the torture porn genre. Right. Uh, with films like Saw. And I'm not a big Saw guy, but I love the hell out of the hostile movies. Mm. Um, but when it comes to, when it comes for me, some of my favorite horror films are the stuff that's a little, you know, it, it, it still may be gory, um, but it's not typically that stupid, you know. I mean, it, it you know, I, I love films where I can turn off my brain at the door, but at the same time, the thing is, you know, is a fantastic film. I like some of these. Um, you know, I love, I, I do like uh, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead is, I think, an amazing film. The remake. Um, and you know, I just, I, I uh, for it's it's funny because I'm saying I like cerebral films, but I was about to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I just it, does, it doesn't get more thoughtful or introspective than the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I mean, those I mean, these are the films I find myself coming back to over and over and over that I I, I enjoy watching, and you know, especially this time of year, which by the time we're releasing this, we're probably talking October time frame. Right. You know, I've probably already popped Nightmare Before Christmas and Halloween and um, Trick or Treat and The Monster Squad into my DVD player at some point over sounds, the last couple of weeks. It sounds to me like you're saying that Leatherface speaks to your soul. A little bit. Well, no, yeah, Leatherface is lame. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know about you, Paul. I love the twist ending that's actually intelligent. Not, you know a hand comes out of the grave or something, but like I mentioned, the original night of the living dead, that ending still gets to me. Yeah. One of the best endings of any movie I've seen. Well, that's the thing, you know, or, or, and I know that this has been something that, that several have said they don't care for, but the ending of saw, I mean, the the first, the ending of the first saw movie is brilliant. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, every other saw movie after that, that's not quite good. (laughs) But um, yeah, how about uh, how about the uh, you remember a movie Jacob's Ladder from the eighties? Yes, yeah. You remember the end of that movie? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe not maybe not so much a horror movie, but but kinda. And then the end was like, wow, I did found, that happen? I found the ice bath that he took quite horrific. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, that cool. seems to be something that the genre does very well are those surprising twist endings. Yeah. And uh, going back to what John was saying about Lovecraft, I think. You know, some of the best Lovecraft films aren't actually Lovecraft films. I, I love In the Mouth of Madness. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, another Carpenter film. You know, I think perfectly encapsulates, you know, a Lovecraftian feel without being a Lovecraft film. And I just, you know, I, I love that feeling of dread. You know, the, the fun horror films I, I'd like to go back to and have fun with, but the, the, the ones that stay as classics to me are the ones that really have this sense of dread this building dread um that actually has a payoff at some point okay so you're saying a sense of dread are we talking like i am the law not 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 no no <laughs> well no though i i know you would imagine you would say that the new dread was a bit horrific it was a bit horrific <laughs> <laughs> so okay so you know you've kind of talked about what your what your life are in terms of like horror me- media 
Um, let's talk a little bit about our experience in horror role-playing games. Um, and I know, John, you've got a, quite a bit of experience in that, so uh, why don't you start us off? Okay. Well, um, horror-wise, I go back to 1981 with the original Call of Cthulhu game. Um, that was the first game that I played and ran. Uh, I think it was, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was 81. Um, and that's where I started. Maybe that's why I'm, that, that's what kind of got me into Lovecraft, really. I hadn't really ever read any of the stuff until Call of Cthulhu, Call of Cthulhu, the role-playing game came out. So I played and ran that quite a bit. The next thing that came along for me was Chill, um, the old game by Pace Setter. That was probably in the mid-80s. And that game, I played the hell, no pun intended, out of that game. Um, you know, we, we were playing it two or three times a week back in the day. And uh, we, you know, for, I don't know, five, six, seven years, maybe a good stretch. Mm-hmm. So um, from there, you know, it, it got into the, to the 90s and kind of started in with Vampire. You know, White Wolf came out with Vampire the Requiem. Was it the Requiem? No. I don't remember. Vampire the something. The the Masquerade. The Masquerade, that's it. Yeah. So we played some of that for a while and kind of got into a few of the offshoots, did some werewolf. and. When you were playing the World of Darkness stuff, did you wear any eye makeup? (laughs) (laughs) Any eyeliner, mascara? (laughs) Yeah, we played played in the dark with lots of candles. And (laughs) And then we went to Denny's for dinner afterwards. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so we played some of that and, uh, you know, I, I kept, but through all that time and I've played a few other, other horror games, you know, up until the present time, but I always come back to Call of Cthulhu and chill. Yeah. So Um, of those two games, tell me what Call of Cthulhu and chill do so well that makes you come back to them as your, as your horror games of choice. I think Call of Cthulhu more more than any other horror game gives you that sense of of impending dread that that Paul was talking about. Um, you know, most of the time you pretty well figure out figure out quick that you can't win. You know, the the universe is just against you, and and you know all you all you can do is survive as long as you can. And, and uh, it sounds kind of weird that that's fun to role play, but it sort of is. <laughs> so is it is it the insanity mechanic that supports that, or is it something else? You know, as far as actually role playing, that's always one of the funnest moments is when when it, when a character you know completely loses their grip, and it, it, it's fun to watch people how they might role play that, and that's always been a good uh, a good source of memories to look back on is people losing their minds in a role playing game. But uh, and then chill. Chill's kind of, you know, on the opposite spectrum. Chill is, you know, hey, there's monsters. Let's go find out where they are and smash them. You know, you, you can win that game. Um, you know, it's it's there's lots of things that might scare you and and, uh, and and things that are really hard to defeat, but you can win. So, you know, you, you look at, uh, at TV shows like Supernatural or movies like um, the original Fright Night. Um you know that's that's kind of the essence of chill, mm-hmm. um, and it's very ep- chill's an episodic game, or it can be where your your group can continue from from one game to the next and wind up with this history of uh, of hunting down monsters and defeating them, kind of like the Winchester boys on Supernatural. Yeah, you know, 
I was gonna say, I, I gotta say, that's one thing I didn't, I didn't mention. I loved Supernatural. Okay. And, and what is it you like so much about Supernatural, Tim? You know, it's it's the it's the it's kind of kind of the David Carradine kung fu traveling to different towns and solving problems and always being there was they don't really have a home they just keep going. I like that aspect of it, but I also like the fact that even though you even though things looked bad, they never looked they they very rarely looked hopeless. Mm-hmm. Is it the is it the hard traveling hero, mostly heroic uh, aspect to those guys that, that you respond to? Plus, yeah, yeah. So it's I mean, it, I think one even though it shifts from season to season, there is kind of a moral center to that show. You know, whereas it's really easy, I think, in in some uh, horror settings to find that nobody's likable. You know, is is it that that you're responding to, Tim? I th- I think that what I, uh, that's what I like about it. I like the the down on your luck by the skin of your teeth kind of thing, but you always kind of have the feeling like it's gonna it's gonna work out. It's okay for the most part. Sure. I, I guess that's what I, I I didn't even consider it horror. <laughs> you know, right? It's more of an action thing to me, but. So, uh, Tim, since you sp- you spoke up, uh, what's your experience in horror role-playing games? Okay. Uh, I have played one Cthulhu campaign, and that's about it. And, what, and how, did you enjoy that Cthulhu campaign? I did. What did you like about it? It was a lot... <laughs> It was a lot of the things that I liked about it were the the supernatural aspect, but it was also because there was a bunch of us in college, and you know whoever showed up could you know work on the mystery, you know because we we all shared a database, and so there was like I don't know ten of us, but not, there was no more than like six of us at a time there. So, um, I, I it was kind of the things I was pinging off on supernatural. Things never looked. Effing hopeless. So maybe it's not a good example of the Cthulhu genre because, from what I've heard about it, it's pretty terrible. Like you're you're screwed. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, in the end, a lot of us, a lot of the, a lot of them did die. So a lot of the PCs did die. So I I guess it was. But I don't know. I, I I had fun in it. I guess I'll just put it that way. Okay. Uh, Wayne, how about yourself? Well, role-playing game-wise, I've never played in a horror campaign. I've done one-shots. My favorite horror system so far is Dread, because I don't think I have ever found something that better gets you in that mood of, you know, the tension and the horror, as everybody trying to stay five feet away from the table, afraid that the Jenga tower is going to collapse. Right. And the Dread feeling when they tell you to make a pull. I've had some wonderful Dread games that I've been a part of. I uh, was in the last and a little child chilly game at Fear the Con this year. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of fun. And that's really it for horror gaming is just one shots here and there. Okay. And what have you – tell me something that you've enjoyed. You, you, you mentioned the, the dread mechanic of pulling uh, a piece out of the Jenga tower. Um, yeah, I, I love the tension and feel that a dread game can give you that – the sense of suspense of, you know, 
you're actually your mind gets in that mindset of a horror game and it really gets you into that that mood sure but some of the other parts of those games that i've really enjoyed are you think about things that you don't normally think about in a role-playing game i had probably some of the best character interactions in a dread game out of even campaigns that i've been in because it was that sense of it's the end of the world it's a zombie apocalypse what is really important to the character and just getting those interactions with the other characters sure paul so i think we all are have experienced your uh your your horror game background but tell us a little bit about that yeah, um, my, uh, my horror, my, my gaming background in general, but my horror experience is limited to, to basically you and John. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've played in two years, actually three games of, uh, and a little child shall eat them. I've played in, uh, I think years five and six, four and six. Uh, years five and six, and then the season one, uh, redo, redo that no one will ever get to listen to. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and I, I loved those. And, uh, you know, with John, I've played in, uh, a trail of Cthulhu. I don't think it was called Cthulhu. Right. Um, right. Trail of Cthulhu. A trail of Cthulhu game, as well as a chill game that he ran at this year's Fear of the Con. Um, you know, one thing that you guys were talking about that we didn't talk about before was kind of that action horror thing uh-huh because you think of it more as action than you do as horror like buffy and angel supernatural blade you know stuff like that you know where there's a hunter hunting monsters or demons or ghosts or something like that i mean i, I love that kind of stuff too and um that was one thing that appealed to me uh, greatly <clears throat> excuse me about john's chill game this year was it was a you know it was it was a group of adventurers and, you know, we were shooting mummies and, you know, hunting mummies in Egypt and, you know, uh, in, in the Americas and through a museum and stuff like that. And I, you know, the, it, it kind of harkened back to, um, you know, I, I love that horror adventure, that horror action. I, I like that, that stuff as well. It seemed to have a, I, and, you know, John, uh, jump in if, if you want to, you know, provide some additional color. But what I really responded to about the John's Chill game, is that it really had a universal movie feel to it. Agreed. You know, it, it had that, that, that pulp 1930s, 1940s kind of setting, uh, where these, these, uh, scholars are gonna, you know, jump into this ancient mystery. And I, I it was just, I, I mean, I, I, it seemed like a black and white game. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I expected to see and, it on Turner Classic Movies. Yeah, and uh, you know, earlier I talked about Hammer films. It's it's the perfect game if you want to do a Hammer film in a role right. playing game. Even the artwork in that game, you, you know, the 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 people have you know the gothic costumes on and and they look like something out of you know the eighteen fifties. You know, yeah. um, so so chill, yeah. yeah, yeah, chills definitely a a horror action type game. So, uh, Paul. Yes, know, sir. Beyond, beyond the, uh, you know, the action hero, uh, kind of, kind of horror, uh, just in, in thinking of the, the, you know, couple of horror games that you've been in, tell me something else that really worked for you, that really spoke to you in terms of, of, of being a player. You know, um, in reference to, and a little child shall eat them. You know, I, I really, I, it, it's funny, you know, uh, we talk about, 
the dread and, and things like that. And I'll, I'll talk about that here in a second, but I enjoyed a lot of, um, the suspense that built in those into little child shall eat them games, whether it was, um, yeah. And folks haven't listened to the, to the current year yet. Um, but there was like this building tension as far as, you know, th- this hidden threat, um, that, that, that was, co- that was coming to the survivors. Um, you know, there was that, there was the building tension and there was the tension in the flashback sequences as far as, uh, and I hate to reference a lot of the stuff that folks haven't heard yet, but you can actually listen to last year's and the little child shall eat them. And there's a flashback sequence there that I think was amazing to listen to. I wasn't actually in that one. Um, but just, you know, there, there's that, that suspense. There's, you know, there's this constant energy that, you know, you can feel it in the other folks at the table. Um, you know, and with John's, uh, Trail of Cthulhu game, you know, that did have a bit of that, that impending sense of dread. And, uh, you know, it, it, it was, you, you could feel that something was coming. And I think we, you know, we, we were shorted on time a little bit with that game. Uh, I know we had to wrap up sooner than we originally planned. In fact, that audio is available on, uh, the website as well. But, um, you know, I, I, I do like, I like suspense. I like, you know, I like, things to keep going i don't you know in a game where there's horror you know i i don't necessarily i i i guess it's if you if you're referring to the four games that i've played in or the five whatever <laughs> games that i've played in um i guess i like a little bit of a darker element you know um none of them are, are light-hearted games they all have consequences you know i mean other than chill which was you know again more of an adventure thing i i, I think they're they're darker settings mm-hmm. excellent anything else to add guys before we move on to the next item alrighty so I have some uh, some ground rules for us this evening the The game that we're going to be playing we're going to be sandboxing this but I do have a, a couple of, uh, of directions for us one is that we will be set in Rainsboro between the end of season one but before the end of season two so that's the space that we're going to occupy. Um, the game needs to have a supernatural flavor so that it fits into our Ghosts of Rainsboro setting. Um, and then each of you guys this evening will present uh, three characters. Uh, and at the end of the presentations, um, the, the other players will vote on which character they think the players should play. So we'll do one character at a time. And we'll continue to round robin until uh, we've exhausted all three. So uh, we're going to start here with Wayne. Give us your first character pitch. Okay, my character is actually a character that was in the Ricochet Annual. His name is The Guardian. He's kind of a Doctor Strange type character. But his sole mission, his... uh, is basically reason for existence and having his powers is to guard, catalog, and protect mystical artifacts. And that's his, that's his primary goal in life. It's a duty that's been passed down throughout his family line, and he's the current guardian. And so, how old is he? Uh, he's about 38. Okay. How long has he been doing this? He's been doing it since he turned 21. Oh, wow, so 17 years. Yep. Look at me, I can do math. <laughs> <laughs> In my head, I didn't even have to get the 10 key out. You didn't hear any of this over here. So Yeah, at the, uh, at the point where this would uh, take place, 
he's in a bit of a upheaval because he just had to move his his safe house basically mm-hmm. because of the events of the Ricochet Annual. Okay. So he's uh, he's trying to get resettled in his new location. And so, you know, he he's he protects, he catalogs. Um, does that mean that he holds on to these things? Yes. Okay. So so he's got kind of an archive or you know a warehouse or something like that to hold all these uh, mystical things, depending on how many he's got. I, uh, I describe his house as kind of like a magical vault is how I see it, where it's he's put a lot of energy and effort into creating this. Mm-hmm. The outer appearance of it is wherever he's currently living, but the inner appearance of it is is going to be the same regardless of where it's at. So you can walk into an apartment and it's a two-story house once you're inside. So bigger on the inside than it is on the outside? Yeah, and it was something that has been created like that over the generations. He he wouldn't even know begin to know how to do that himself, but one of his ancestors created it. And he can move the entrance to it, but he at this point doesn't even fully understand that part. Is this a family line of people who've been responsible for you know, protecting and cataloging these ar- uh, artifacts? Yes, he's just the current guardian. He's the guardian. What kind of abilities does he have? And I should probably say, it, you know, it. You guys have already worked out your pitches, but it would be fair to have somebody in this setting without powers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just just as, as as a point of clarification. But go ahead. I'm sorry, Wayne. I uh, say so you said so. It's kind of a super sorcerer, Doctor Strange kind of guy. So, so yeah, a lot that kind of thing. Yeah, a lot like we saw Tim doing in the first few seasons of uh, Rainsboro, where he's, uh, you know, he's a spellcaster. But I said his go-to spell is the lightning. Okay. He's gotten so used to it that he doesn't really think about it when he needs to lash out at something. It's going to be a lightning bolt. Okay. All right. Anything else about the Guardian? No, that pretty much covers him. Okay. Tim, you're up. Okay. So my first character is called the Hitchhiker. So um, the premise behind the Hitchhiker is he was uh, he was a guy who. Um, you know, was hitchhiking down the road and was never seen again, right? Right. But the thing is, is that he he's kind of in between worlds. So um, he's dead. He knows he's he's dead. But there's a uh, kind of an angel. He th- well, maybe depends on the day that that kind of tells him, look, if you do so many, he's got a number he has to hit. So many good deeds will let you go to heaven. Well, the thing is, is that. He doesn't. He's not sure he believes in heaven, and so he doesn't want to like die, die. Right. And so he's hanging around, and um, the the mechanics behind it is that um, I, I assume in gameplay I'm going to have somebody know him or know of him because the way I figure it is that um, he'll have like a phone or something stupid that. You know, if you call up, you're going to get a bunch of static, and then it'll beep, and you can leave him a message, or he can t- he can text you because that's kind of fucking creepy. <laughs> um, but he he would be stuck on that highway until somebody picked him up, and so when someone picked him up, he would hitchhike into their body, and that's that's sort of the day behind him, the hitchhiker. Um, the thing is that he does good deeds, but 
taking somebody over for two days at a time also causes some bad deeds to happen. You know, people losing their job, etc. <laughs> so his little his little like angelic scoreboard will fluctuate. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, uh, it, it amuses me, Tim. You have created someone that your character in Rainsboro would have to kill. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly the type of person. Hey, man, he's, he's possessed. He had to go. Tomahawk <laughs> to the face. <laughs> um, uh, for for power set, I was I haven't looked in the book, but I was thinking some kind of fear power would be pretty awesome. Um. You know, and probably there'd probably be a little like mental blast kind of thing, kind of like Andrew does. Okay. So, uh, you know, the hitchhikers out there taking over people's bodies. Does he ever have personal business that he's taken care of while he's you know in their bodies? Uh, I don't know. One of the, one of the things I forgot to mention, Aaron, is he doesn't have a choice. The first person that picks him up is who he gets stuck with. Oh, okay. So I figured it would be a running gag for you to tell me how I show up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, I could be a federal agent. I could be a Domino's pizza delivery boy. It, uh-huh. it's, it's just luck of the draw. Nice. Um, does he take care of any personal business? Um, he. I would say he doesn't remember a whole lot about his personal life. So he just kind of shows up with a, some kind of spiritual directive as to what needs to be accomplished while he's in this body for two days? It's sort of like, the way I picture it, it's kind of like Quantum Leap. He's got his Sam, which is his angel. Right. It's kind of like, um, you know, they, people need help, you got to get out there. Or he gets the, the text message saying, we need you out there. And so then he'll he'll interact on the highway to get picked up. Sure. Excellent. Anything else about the hitchhiker? Uh, no. Okay. Polly. Yes, sir. Tell us about your first character. All right. Uh, I'm going to start with Dusk Hunter. Um, Dusk. Hold on. Dusk Hunter. <laughs> he is the child of an angel and a demon. Um, so as such, he's never quite fit into hell and has never been allowed into heaven. Um, to keep him out of hell as much as they can, uh, he's tasked with hunting the souls that escape the afterlife or cling to the earthly plane and return them to hell. Um, he drives across the U.S. in a haunted car that must be fed blood at least once a week, or it begins to get feisty and take its hunger out on him. Um, also, his, his mother was cast out of hell, and she now resides in middle America. Um, he's never met his father. Uh, like I mentioned, he has a haunted car. Uh, his weapon is an uh, basically a, a hell crowbar, um, which is an iron bar that has the ability to both bludgeon his enemies and send their spirits back to hell. And uh, visually, I think of him kind of like a 1950s rockabilly, uh, like a leather jacket, red shirt tucked in, cigarette tucked behind his ear, uh, slicked black black hair with horns poking through. And uh, that's Dusk Hunter. So... Uh how does Dusk Hunter know where to find these escaped souls, these itinerant souls, if you will? I'd imagine he's sent on missions. Um, as far as how he's informed of them, uh, maybe through his haunted car radio. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't know who's giving him the, the direction, but he just knows that this is work he needs to do? Correct. Okay. 
Now, does uh, Dusk Hunter maintain any type of personal life? Um, I'd imagine not much of one. You know, he's kind of a, you know, a Kanan Kung Fu kind of guy. I'm sure he's kind of, you know, I'm sure he has friends across the country from his travels. Um, you know, women <laughs> that he's, you know, been in bed with, things like that. Um, but other than that, I mean, he, his mother, do, you know, like I said, his mother does kind of, you know, she, she lives in middle America. Her, her neighbors don't know that she's, uh, you know, that she's a, a, a cast out hell demon. Sure. Sure. Okay. And you said his mother's in middle America. Yeah. I'm thinking, you know, like, uh, someplace down homey. <laughs> How about Missouri? Missouri works. It doesn't get more down home than Missouri. <laughs> okay, so John? Okay, so some of my names might sound kind of familiar because I'm going to use some of the characters that I created for the original Ghost game. Okay. But um, I've added a little bit to them. Um, and the first one that I've got is Hexfire. Um, Hexfire is a guy who who a few years back was a, a was a paranormal investigator mm-hmm. and on one of his one of his investigations he he stumbled onto kind of a demonic entity that was that was haunting this one particular family in this home and this demon sort of attached itself to him um and the, the demon was from from some demonic plane of fire, and the, this demon kept following him around. I mean, nobody could really see it was there except for uh, except for Hexfire, um, and it, it began to do some malicious acts. It began, you know, trying to hurt people that were around him that were close to him, and uh, and he could never figure out why it was it was attached to him so much, but. It, they sort of developed a, a a relationship, kind of a almost a symbiosis. And at one point, um, Hexfire just sort of they almost combined. But he's so the demon is like you know riding inside him in a way, and Hexfire has to he, he's trying to keep this demon contained, and. It, so he he's he's always in this state of uh of you know he can't he can't break his concentration if he if he stops you know thinking about containing this demon for too long it'll get out and and it'll be bad but the plus side is is because he he contains this fire demon he gains these abilities to do things with its magical fire so um how old is he um, I'm thinking that he is probably in his late twenties. And does the uh, magical fire, uh, does his use of it change him? You know, it does. You you had cited the demonic background, so I wasn't sure if that played some kind of you know had some kind of impact I'm, to him. I'm thinking I'm thinking that he's kind of conflicted because. He is a uh, a very focused and kind of serious person, uh, but the but the demon actually using the demon's abilities sort of kind of releases the 
the pain, I guess you'd say a bit of trying to contain it. So, um, so, you know, he'll, he'll wind up maybe, maybe using the power sometime when he shouldn't, I guess, uh, maybe, and maybe that's part of the, part of the demon, you know, maybe, maybe the demon benefits somehow if his, if his power gets used and maybe he hopes to struggle enough to eventually take over and come out, you know. Have you named the demon? Uh, no. I have not named the demon. Okay. Does he know the name of the demon? Hmm. I'm thinking maybe that's how he contained it. Uh, yeah. I'm thinking he did some research and discovered the name, and that was the only way that he could do this right. as, as just a normal person. Right. And Which really pisses the demon off okay. big time. Um, and I'm thinking since he uses the abilities to do good things now, uh, that that really pisses the demon off even more. But using the the the, the demon's abilities uh, does kind of function as a pressure valve. But maybe the more he releases that pressure, the faster the pressure builds up. So he's it, it's kind of a snowball effect. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the main thing I'm picturing about this guy is that he's a guy in a in a constant struggle. He he's never in a state where he's not. I mean, enduring this struggle somehow. Um, is the demon in his head? Hmm, that's interesting. Could be could be something uh, just some malady of his own that he he's. Put this whole demon label oh, onto. Oh no, I, that's not what I meant. <laughs> I mean, that's okay. a great take. I just want to clarify what I meant, which is is, <laughs> is the demon speaking to him in his head? Oh yeah, oh definitely. Okay. Like I said, it's almost a it's almost a symbiotic type relationship. Yeah. It's like they're both in there, you know. Does the demon ever get to become dominant, or has that not ever happened yet? He's always been contained. Hmm. So, like, say for instance, you know, you're, you're, he, he's in a fight. He becomes more, he becomes extremely stressed. You know, could the mm-hmm. demon come out? And in Savage World's terms, say he becomes shaken. Could that be mm-hmm. a time where the result of the shaken is that the demon became dominant? Um, yeah, I like that. And maybe, maybe at some point in his past, it, it happened. And you know some really bad things went on, and maybe he had to had to leave somewhere where he was, you know, or and maybe shaken's not right. Maybe it's a you know failed a spirit role or something like that, you know, an extreme mm-hmm. spirit role. But uh, you know where the, where the demon could come out to play. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's good. Okay, all right. Anything else about Hexfire? I don't think so. Okay, all right. Round one is complete. Wayne, you're up. Number two. All right. So the next one I'm going to go with is uh, I'm picking to take it second because it actually reminds me a lot of what Tim had for his first one. So I want to throw this one out there. The character's name is The Walker, and it is a ancient mystical spirit, kind of like a spirit of vengeance or a spirit of uh, vengeance isn't exactly a good word for it maybe of retribution but basically it is drawn to intense areas of dark energy and it's drawn to darkness it takes over the body of someone nearby to react 
kind of like one of the inspirations for it is Captain Universe from Marvel Comics. Yeah. Where it would just go in and be where it needs to be. Okay. This is kind of similar, but the more I thought about it, the more I wanted it to have some sort of limitation. I don't want it to be able to take over just anybody. So I was thinking it could either be limited to a certain bloodline that is so old that it's around quite frequently, or that there's possibly a cult that's developed around it, and they have mystical rings or mystical amulets or something, and that's what allows it to come in and take over. Uh, Power-wise, well, appearance-wise, what I had in mind was once it takes over the body, it forms its own, basically forms its own body out of that. And I envision it looking kind of like a wraith-like character. Reminds me of, uh, like, the Lord of the Rings, the the ring race in the movies. Something kind of like that, a dark hooded figure, um, always in shadows. Power-wise, it has a decaying touch. You know, can go intangible, can fly, things like that. Okay. And, you know, this is a... It's almost like you're describing a uh, natural force. Yes, it is very ancient. It's been around pretty much as long as man has. Was it ever human, or was it always something that, you know, existed at the supernatural level? The distinction I'm trying to make is Tim's character, the hitchhiker, was was formerly human, right, Tim? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, so that's right. the, the hitchhiker was formerly human, whereas the character that you're describing is, you know, a supernatural force of nature, right? Right. I didn't imagine him actually ever having been human. Okay. If he was a mortal of some kind, it was so long ago that he couldn't even remember it. So when uh, the walker takes on, uh, you know, takes on somebody else's form. What personality is it? Does the personality change based on the person? Meaning, does that person's uh, life experience inform that personality that is, you know, uh, the walker, or is the walker the same in every body it occupies? Uh, the way I envision it, the walker is the same in every body it occupies. Okay. It uh, basically it takes them over entirely and s- suppresses them inside itself. Okay, so it takes complete control. Yeah. So describe, you know, uh, the walker is out driving around with Dusk Hunter. Tell me what uh, what the conversation between Dusk Hunter and the walker might be. Uh, that one actually was – because one thing is with Bay being drawn to negative energies, as some of the other characters have been described, would be drawn to them. But based on their actions, they would be – he would see that they're allies. Right. So – he wouldn't exactly be the most talkative character, basically the opposite of Ricochet. Mm-hmm. He's more of a, uh, he's definitely more of a quiet character. He would want to talk shop. Basically, he would, uh, as he's riding around with them, he would want to talk about what they're working on right now, what they're trying to hunt down, what they've just seen, as well as just trying to keep up on what the other characters have been doing when he wasn't with them. So the walker is this ancient spirit, right? Does he retain knowledge from previous activity? So like say a hundred years ago, he occupied a guy and would he recall that experience or is, 
you know, is it almost a new day every time he occupies somebody? No, he recalls it all. Okay. Anything else about the walker? No, I think that covers him. Tim. Okay. So, uh, my, my next character, uh, his name, uh, the name is Vengeance. Vengeance. So, a th- about a thousand years ago, the, um, Inuits of, uh, the, what was known as Alaska were, um, getting ha- haunted by what they could only describe as some kind of seal demon. And they were given a vision that the only way that they, they would be able to, um, live through that is that if they each sacrifice their lead sled dog. And so they did so, and the seal demon uh, disappeared. But that's how Vengeance was born. So Vengeance um, is, is a, is, isn't is just one, one creature. It's a line of Siberian Huskies that's gone throughout this, this entire you know run, all the way up to Rainsboro. Um Vengeance is, a, is, is incredibly smart. He's as smart as a human. He can read. Um, he can't speak per se, but he can get he can get by. Like if you ever had to communicate with a human, um, he, the line has recently drawn itself to Rainsboro. So the current vengeance is in Rainsboro, and, is, and the, the line has been in Rainsboro now for about fifty years. And nobody knows exactly why. Um, I I have a feeling that I'd, I'd leave it up to you, Aaron, but I would think it'd have something to do with um, our our island, Dogger Island. Yeah, and what's tied there. Um, so what I'm thinking as far as power set goes, uh, I would think it, it, it's. It, I'm, I was thinking super speed, and I was thinking some kind of kind of relatively mild super strength. Um, when people talk about the ghost dog, it's always this white blur, um, that kind of thing. I, I see the same kind of issues that we might have with uh, what you were talking with with Wayne, um, but I think it's kind of visually funnier for a rock ability to, to talk to a husky, and he just looks at him like he's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I don't know if that'll work like on an actual podcast, but sure. uh, I figure maybe there's potential that you know we th- there's there's ways to work around the, the nonverbal. Sure. sure. Um, okay, so you mentioned super speed, super strength. Um, he is he was summoned up to uh, fight off a, a seal demon, right? Yes, that's what the Inuits called it, yes. Okay, so you describe super speed, super strength, but what type of, of uh, attack would he have against something supernatural? It would be a fury bite kind of thing. He would he would run up and do, do the thing that that uh, kind of ricochet does where he gets the two attacks right. So he what he would do is he would do the flash thing where he's kind of whirling around in a tornado. Okay. Um, I would think that he's drawn to um, situations where he finds animal cruelty, um, just because of how he was, you know, what he is. Mm-hmm. But I could see him also dealing with the supernatural because that's what he was summoned up to do. So anything else about Vincent? I, I would I would think he uh, he has some kind of connection with the local butcher. Maybe he saved him from a mugging or something. 
So every Wednesday he shows up up at Malone's to get his steak. <laughs> <laughs> He's got connections. Yeah. All right, uh, Polly, number two. All right, um, my second character is Frank Dabner. I like how your your characters, Paul, have first and last names. <laughs> um, uh, Dusk Hunter of the Newport Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> they actually all do. Even my third character does. Yeah, it's hysterical. Okay, Frank Dabner. Frank Dabner was a co-host of Spook Finders, which was a popular public broadcast show filmed locally. <laughs> I'm calling the fight, Paul. That that's the one. <laughs> Um, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> through, through our laughter, continue. <laughs> uh, he was a, a public, uh, you know, Spookfinders was a popular public broadcast show filmed locally in Rainsboro. Um, he and his crew would camp out in haunted areas looking for ghosts and filming any evidence they could. Um, but during one of the investigations at Rainsboro's abandoned old mental hospital, Night's Edge Sanatorium, proof came at a cost. Um, the other Spookfinders discovered, well, the, the Spookfinders discovered that, uh, the Night's Edge Sanatorium was actually a portal between this world and an alternate dimension populated by the undead. His crew was pulled into the alternate dimension before the gateway was closed, leaving Frank here alone. Um, however, his experience changed him. He's much angrier. He's less interested in finding ghosts and more interested in hunting them and destroying them. Um, so, you know, that that is his mission in life right now. So he's kind of like, you know, he, he, he's kind of like a Ghostbuster meets the Punisher type character. Did he still shoot in video? Um, you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but uh, I, I, think, I, 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 I don't see that's Paul, about... Paul, I think the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I, 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 fair warning, if this character winds up being employed in the game, there will have to be a few confessions. <laughs> I, I demand a confessional for vengeance, then. <laughs> uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, anything else, Paul, on Mr. Dabner? Um, no, not at the moment. That's all I have for him. Okay. And, and John? First off, I'd like to say Ghosts of Rainsboro out, Spookfinders of Rainsboro in. We <laughs> <laughs> should just change the campaign name right now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> okay, so the second guy I've got here is named Spellslinger. Uh, Spellslinger is what you would probably call a uh, you know a super mage. Um, you know, as far as you know powers go, he's a, he's a Doctor Strange kind of guy. He has a as a spell for, you know, everything, and that's what he does. Um, but my take on this guy is, is that he is, you know, where where Doctor Strange is very disciplined and very uh, serious. Spellslinger is kind of a maverick, reckless, overconfident. Uh, knows that he is the best mage in the world, um, and he was. Um, as a as a young boy, he was recognized for his magical potential by a a group of mages called the Society, who who took him in and began to train him in the mystical arts. Um, after a while, though, Spellslinger 
um, kind of discovered that the society wasn't really uh, a group of very nice guys. Um, they had some pretty evil plans to um, uh, to be hatched, and Spellslinger was supposed to be a big part of that. Um, so he decided that he didn't want anything to do with that, rebelled, um, and basically escaped the grasp of the society. And he's kind of been on the run from them ever since. And so uh, he's been on the run, so is he running to Rainsboro, or is he running within Rainsboro? I want to say he he ran to Rainsboro, and since he is kind of reckless and overconfident, he probably didn't run far enough and probably doesn't take enough care to to keep himself on the down low. So I'm picturing that the society or its minions would soon be following him. And so uh, how long has he been in Rainsboro? I would think maybe a relatively short time, maybe maybe just only got, a few months. Okay, so he just got there. Mm-hmm. And what does uh, Spellslinger do with his day when he's not out there slinging spells? Is he slinging hash at the local diner? Does he maintain a secret identity, or is he always full-time Spellslinger? I don't think he's full-time Spellslinger, but I think he has used his magical abilities to amass personal wealth for himself. Mm-hmm. And he has, you know, he's kind of a... Um, a yeah. You know, a a lazy, you know, rich child of his own making, if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, he's kind of kind of the idle rich, but he created himself that way. Uh, when he's not when he's not slinging spells, he's you know living the high life. When he took off, was he able to take you know most of his assets and resources with him, or did he have a go bag? And just has what was in that bag. I'm gonna think. Uh, I'm thinking since he is kind of overconfident uh, and brash, he's probably not much of a planner. Okay. So yeah, he probably kind of just left with what he had, and he's trying to build it back up. Okay. Um, Anything else on Spellslinger? Nope, don't think so. All right. That is the end of round two. And to uh, wrap up round three, we'll start with Wayne. Hi, my name's Leonard Easel. I'm a public accountant. And one day I was at a, you know, I, I was at an estate sale and I found a magic ring. And I put the thing on and it melded into my skin. And now at night when, uh, when nobody's watching... I transform into Major Victory. I don't actually know anything about magic at all. This ring just lets me become what I always dreamed of being as a child, but the other kids beat me up for attempting to believe in. So, Mystic Ring that turns him into a superhero? Yep. It basically draws energy 
draws magical energy to make him bigger, stronger, some of the stereotypical superhero flight, strength, all of that. Uh, essentially, he's trying to be... In his mind, he's envisioning himself as partisan. The ring doesn't give him anywhere near that level of power, and it's something that's now permanently fused to him. So he has a hard time. He can't like fly on an, at an airport because he can't take it off, and it sets off the metal detectors. But his day job, like I said, public accountant. He's normally fairly weak guy, but lives out his lifelong dream of being a superhero through this magical transformation that he doesn't even slightly understand. Can he take the ring off? Nope. It is. It permanently fused itself to his skin. How does this affect his uh, guys as uh, Leonard Easel? Um, he's noticed the more he's being a superhero, the, the more confident he's being in that role. And that's not necessarily good for him work-wise. Because he had built his career on being a basically sniveling, head down, doing whatever the boss told him to do. So he, he's, he's developing a backbone, maybe standing up to people who pushed him around in the past, that kind of thing. Yeah, and he's doing it as his regular, you so, know, yeah. regular self that has no abilities until he transforms. Okay. So sometimes he gets himself into trouble. Anything else about Major Victory? No. Okay, Timmy. Um, I am. Uh, I'm kind of rehashing uh, one of the characters that I pitched uh, back for uh, Knights of Rainsboro. Oh, tell me it's the Asian guy. No, it's not the Asian uh, guy. I was going to say we, you know, we're we're going to exit this this session tonight, and I feel confident there's not going to be any Asian dudes. We were Asian <laughs> heavy when we sandboxed Rainsboro, and now we're doing ghosts, <laughs> and there's no Asian dudes represented here. <laughs> um, so I'm tweaking the character Eclipse. So uh, it's been a while, so I'll just I'll just start at the top. Um, uh, Shannon O'Malley was a person that um, worked at her uh, her family's bar, O'Malley's, and um, uh, that got burnt. You know, her her dad and her brother got killed by this biker gang that burnt it down. Um, in th- in this scenario, to try to make it a little more uh, kind of supernatural. Uh, one of one of her dad's final wishes was to have his ashes spread um, in the family uh, in the family homeland, which is Ireland. So she went, she goes to Ireland with the ashes, and um, she visits the family estate. And when she's set to spread the ashes, she falls in um, through the ground of a fairy mountain. Um, and that's kind of when she winds up in uh, the the typical uh, Shakespearean fairy court. Um, so she makes a couple deals to get back to, you know, get back out the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the things is that she's been, uh, given the, the moon powers, um, such that, you know, she can fly and she has certain kinds of strength, um, stuff like that. The caveat is fairy are evil little pricks. <laughs> and so they, uh, pop up occasionally and remind her that, uh, you know, she's only, you know, she only has the, all this power because of their good graces, and sometimes they'll call on her to do something that's not so pleasant. Um, 
and uh, yeah, she's been fighting the uh, the biker gang responsible for the um, for the burning down of the bar that's been now rebuilt by the uncle. Um, but she's found some kind of connection within that biker gang to a uh, mystical cult, and that's kind of drawn her into this kind of genre. So, what does she do by day? What does she do when she's not being eclipsed? Um, she is. She works um, as a uh, assistant district attorney. Well, she's not quite to that level, but that's where she's working. She's working in the district attorney's office as a. Uh, she just got her law degree. Okay, so she's an attorney, first year, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yep. Alrighty. Anything else about Eclipse? Nope. Okay, Polly. You want to tell us about? I'm going to guess his name is John Smith. <laughs> no, you're close. <laughs> his name is Johnny Boondocks. Johnny Boondocks. Johnny Boondocks. Okay. Tell me uh, about Johnny Boondocks. Uh, Johnny Boondocks uh, was a rookie police officer in uh, a nearby small town um, of you know from Waynesboro, Stonewater Falls. Um, you know, it's basically where people to go, go to get a to get away from the hustle and bustle of Rainsboro proper, but still be kind of close to the big city. Um, you know, it's kind of like Rainsboro's hick cousin. Um, and so, you know, Johnny and his his pregnant wife moved there. And uh, you know, the problem with a place like Stonewater Falls is that it's really still pretty close to Rainsboro. So sometimes some of that craziness leaks over. Um, and one situation like that was a serial killer known as the Dark Man. Um, and, you know, as a rookie police officer, uh, Johnny chased the Dark Man into a, uh, like a, a cornfield. And, uh, you know, he realized that the Dark Man was actually this necromantic being and had uh, an enchanted blade. And uh, in their struggle, uh, the Dark Man actually struck him through with the blade went straight through Johnny and into the scarecrow hanging behind him. Um, Johnny's body basically lit on fire, um, but his soul was transferred into the body of the scarecrow behind him. And, uh, you know, the dark man escaped, you know, still hasn't been, you know, seen to this day or, you know, caught to this day. Um, now Johnny's wife you know, obviously couldn't couldn't live with a scarecrow, so he's kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you know, did they do any kind of counseling about that? <laughs> I, I, you, we, we can just assume yes. Um, well, you know, what what uh, you tell me, Mrs. Boondocks, what 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 problem do you have with being with a scarecrow? <laughs> well, he doesn't have a brain. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so he doesn't oh. live with his wife because the counseling didn't work out. Um, he, he has not, he can only see his newborn son from afar. Um, he has no need for sleep, no need for food. Um, and you know, he, he is, he is essentially a living scarecrow, but for some reason, possibly due to the enchantment of the blade, he is unable to be set on fire. Um, however, you know, so he moved back to Rainsboro. And, you know, in Rainsboro, crazy shit happens. You know, I kind of took the, 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 the thinking that, you know, they see crazy shit like this all the time. So he's still an, he's still an officer. Um, <laughs> uh, but he works for a special branch of the Rainsboro PD uh, specializing in paranormal cases. One of those short bus special divisions. <laughs> so, yeah, he, he is Johnny Boondocks. Officer. Johnny Boondocks. Officer Johnny Boondocks of Rainsboro PD. 
That's right. That, that, I'm sorry, that's just hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> John, bring us on home. All right, my last character is Golem. Um, Golem, G-O-L-E-M. His name is Jack Brannigan. Now, Jack Brannigan, before he was Golem, he was a Navy SEAL. And he was on a special op somewhere in the Middle East. They had been, he, he and his team had been, uh, um, instructed to take down a, a, uh, local warlord in Iraq, let's say somewhere. And which they did, they were able to accomplish this. But once they, once they raided the place, they discovered that this guy was not just a normal everyday person. He was a sorcerer of some great power. But the, his team wound up taking him out. But as he died, he uh, let fly with this death curse that uh, Jack became the victim of. And what the curse was is it transformed him into this gigantic, hulking stone being, which became to be known as Golem. So Jack has the... Uh, has the deal going on kind of like the thing he's monstrous he's trapped in this this huge titanic stone body and you know he's a he's a monster now um he uh ever ever since this happened you know his his life of course was pretty much over um you know he was he was listed as killed in action because hold on I'm a dog. I feel like vengeance is trying to tell us something. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> um, so he he's you know he he's he's lost his former life and he's trying to find someone who can release him from this curse. Um, in the meantime, he has much like the tick. He's nigh invulnerable, massive, massive strength. Um, that's his whole shtick. He's, he's just a, he's a brick. Um, he's the guy who likes to pick up dump trucks and throw them at villains, that sort of thing. Um, so I figure what I, what I'd want him to do is maybe latch on to one of the characters that's going to be in the game as someone that he hopes can help him, you know, Get rid of this curse and turn sure. back to normal. So he's always Gollum. Right? Yes, yes. He, he is. Uh, so he came back from service in the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the, was his family in Rainsboro? Is that why he's here? Yeah, I think so. Okay. And it, they think he's dead. And okay. um, so he's not revealed his condition to anybody. No, he's just you know, missing an action or killed an action. And mm-hmm. uh, he's out trying to, you know, figure out a cure for his condition while at the same time, you know, fighting some evildoers. Right. OK. And I, I'm, I'm figuring he's not uh, he's not real. Uh, um, what do I want to say? He's not dumb, but he's not the most intellectual guy, you know, around. Now, is that a change from his military experience? I mean, like, did he No. Did he? I don't think so. Did he? What was his intelligence impacted during the change? Mm, maybe somewhat. Maybe. I mean, I'm picturing him as the guy who was not. He wasn't the leader. He was the guy carrying the big, huge machine gun, and um, <laughs> you, you know. So he was. Uh, he, he was kind of a, a brick, a tank kind of character, and in, in his military experience, he's more yeah. so now. 
So yeah, I think so. It's kind it's kind of him as uh, you know the military uh, professional turned up to eleven. Right. Okay. Right. So he's he's not a Mensa candidate, is what you're saying? <laughs> not even he can't. He, yeah, he can't even spell Mensa. Yeah. Awesome. Fire. You can give him three letters and he couldn't spell Mensa. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Okay. Anything else, uh, John, about Gollum? That's that'll do. All right, guys. So uh, now's the time. I will review as we get to each player. I'll review their three characters. It'll give you guys an opportunity to ask questions, and then we'll take a vote. Okay. Okay. So, Wayne, your three characters are number one, the guardian who's responsible for protecting, cataloging uh, supernatural artifacts. Um, your second character was the Walker, who is an ancient mystical spirit of retribution that uh, occupies uh, other people's bodies and uh, uh, fights, you know, supernatural evil. And then your third character is Leonard Easel, CPA, who sometimes becomes Major Victory uh, a, via a, a power ring fused to his hand. Do you guys have any questions for Wayne on these three characters? I, I got a question, Wayne. All right. Um, how hard would it be to role play a force of nature? You know, I've never tried it before. I mean, and what I have in mind for that character, it would be an extremely creepy force of nature. I mean, some of his powers are like fear-related powers too. Mm-hmm. So that. Like uh, like Aaron had alluded to, it might be difficult to have that kind of a character interacting with other characters in conversation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, other questions for uh, Wayne? Okay, hearing none. Uh, Tim, who's your favorite of the three? Boy, it really depends on what kind of what kind of uh, horror we're going with, Aaron. If we're going with the supernatural kind of horror, where everything's kind of there's jokes and there's there's a little bit of laughter and not everything's gloomy, it's Leonard Easel CPA. Um, but if we're going really super creepy, it would have to be the Walker. So I guess not knowing, I, I like the I like the comedy factor of Leonard Easel. Okay. So I, I would I would pick him, not knowing anything else. There's one vote there. Polly. Yes, sir. Uh, tell me, uh, of the three, uh, who's your favorite? I, out of the three, I lean more towards the Guardian. Um, you know, I, I think as a, a, a group setting and, you know, in, in whatever group we end up with, and looking at some of the other characters, I, I, I think the Walker is a very interesting character. Um, I don't know how much I see the Walker as necessarily you know one of a group um and you know the, and the major victory thing i don't uh well i just don't know i don't see it necessarily for the for a, you know a, a supernatural setting the guardian i think out of the three um just kind of I, I mean, and, and even though we don't know exactly what the setting or story are going to be the guardian most appealed to me as a as a as a character that i would be playing with okay john I agree with Paul. Uh, for me, it's the guardian uh, because with the uh, you know the protector of mystical artifacts and this this 
this trove of them hidden away somewhere, I guess. I see this guy as a potential, you know, hub for a lot of things to turn on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd like to, you know, I like him for that reason. I also like him because I would like to see Wayne play someone, you know, other than the uh, the comedy relief guy. That's why I wasn't so big on Major Victory. I'd like to see him play a more a more serious guy this time. Yeah, and I can definitely agree with that. That's why two out of the three were more serious characters. So, Wayne, uh, that's two votes for The Guardian and one vote for Leonard Easel. Are you going to give a vote, Aaron? Uh, I will give a vote, and my vote also would be for The Guardian. And, and largely for the for the reasons already stated, but I also think you know of the characters listed, he's the guy who's got uh, four walls and a roof, and so it gives you guys uh, a place to hang out if you need to, and you know also you know provides uh, ample source for uh, mission giving. Yeah, out of all my characters that I've, I suggested, the character I like the best from a pure character standpoint yeah. is the walker. But I agree with the concerns of I don't think he would be a good conversationalist. <laughs> I like the added bonus of the Guardian having been in Ricochet's annual. Mm-hmm. So he's already a character that I've that's established in the setting, at least to some degree. Sure. And it's something that it's easy for me to write future, like, extra fiction for as well. Excellent. So you're comfortable with The Guardian, then? I am. All right. So uh, next up is Tim's three characters. We have uh, The Hitchhiker, who is uh, a, a fellow trapped in between worlds. He hitchhikes bodies, doesn't have any control over who those bodies were. Whoever comes along and picks him up, that's the guy that, that he uh, takes on. Um, and then we have... Vengeance, a uh, ghost dog Siberian husky whose uh, the dog's line has been in Rainsbow for about 50 years. Um, he's got super speed, super strength, and uh, you know is drawn to animal uh, cruelty. Um, and then, last but not least, is Eclipse, a the uh, fairy-powered spirit of vengeance who uh, by day works in the uh, district attorney's office as a uh, first-year attorney. And uh, she is digging into the bikers that burned down her uncle's bar and is getting into sicker stuff uh, as she peels that stinking onion of uh, what those bikers have been into. So the Hitchhiker, Vengeance, and Eclipse. Uh, Paul, what do you think? My vote is for the Hitchhiker. Um, I think out of all the characters, that one seems to uh, to be the one that Tim would be, you know, th- having played with Tim on Rainsboro on other games. I think that would be the best for his personality. I think he would he could really do a lot with that hitchhiker and the different bodies that that character would inhabit, things like that. I think it would be a lot of fun. John, uh, Tim, I got to say, Vengeance. That's one of the most unique character ideas I think I've ever heard. So. That's really cool. Uh, but I got to go with the hitchhiker mainly because when you said, Aaron, I don't know who I'm going to, whose body I'm going to show up in so you can play with that. I'm like, yeah, we got to see that. <laughs> so I'm voting hitchhiker. Wayne. It's a tough call. I like Eclipse's backstory best out of all of them, 
but from a just a power and seeing how you deal with taking a different body, I gotta go with the hitchhiker as well. Wow. That is uh three for the hitchhiker. I am going to be uh the the voice of dissent and say that vengeance uh, would have been my choice because I just I, I really see the uh, the noble Siberian husky ghost dog super serious uh, character and someone going who's a good boy who's a good boy <laughs> but sadly no I think uh, the hitchhiker is the choice you comfortable with that Tim uh, I'd kind of like to hear just like the last time we picked characters Aaron I'd like to hear what everybody else is playing and Paulie. We have uh, your three characters. We have Dusk Hunter, uh, who is half angel, half demon, all man, uh, uh, <laughs> driving his haunted blood drinking car, receiving his missions and guidance from the AM radio in the dash. Uh, we have uh, Frank Dabner, uh, co-host of Spook Finders, who is uh, you know Ghostbuster meets the Punisher, and then we have. Johnny Boondock, uh, once a uh, <laughs> once a, a, a loving husband, now a scarecrow uh, on the uh, Rainsboro Police Department. It's the scarecrows the reason why uh, you know the ninjas keep escaping. <laughs> so Hunter, I, I notice you're having a hard time getting that one out, Aaron. <laughs> Dusk Hunter, Frank Dabner, Johnny Boondock. So John. You know what? Spooky, haunted, blood-drinking car, a, a, a creepy radio that tells you what to do, and a hellish crowbar to hit people with. You can't play anybody but du- but Dusk Hunter. It's got to be. And when that's, you- just, that's just all kinds of awesome. Yeah, I was sold on the Punisher meets Ghostbusters. I'm going Frank Dabner. I like the idea of this being someone who doesn't – actually have paranormal abilities that's just dedicating his life to hunting down the supernatural and let's see tim there there is something visually that i I love about a scarecrow with the badge (laughs) and uh that's that's my vote wow (laughs) it's a tiebreaker (laughs) it is a tiebreaker and i gotta say paul all three of these were outstanding Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, like I had a day off of work, so <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I like all three. Um, but wow, I I think for for sheer um, for sheer uh, fun in the game, I'm gonna say Johnny Boondock. We're going with the Scarecrow Cop. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I kind of did Scarecrow Cop. Scarecrow Cop wasn't that a a, uh, <laughs> it was a movie Ar- with it was an Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a brain <laughs> it has a tumor <laughs> <laughs> all right so last up we've got uh, John's three characters we've got Hexfire uh, the 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 demon originating powers. Uh, he's got that demon all up in his head, and you know he uses when he uses the powers, it becomes a pressure valve. But it is that is that kindling a greater flame? Is it uh, strengthening the demon? Uh, we've got Spellslinger, who is a Doctor Strange kind of guy, but he's a maverick and he's overconfident and he's on the run. And we have uh, Golem, 
uh, also known as Jack Brannigan, uh, a fella trapped in a stone body uh, trying to figure a way to get out of it. So, Wayne. Uh, my vote is going to go for Hexfire purely because the demon's in his head talking to him. Okay. I think that can lead to a lot of fun roleplay. Timmy? Uh, there's something I love about a big dumb tank, so uh, I'm voting for Gollum. And Polly. Um, I'm going to go with Hexfire on my vote. Um, I, I like the, the idea of the character. I like that, again, it's... Thinking about the other characters, he's more humanish. I mean, he's got the the demonic element that's talking to him, um, but he, you know, in general, he you know he's human. So I, I like that. I, I think he would fit in with the group that we've selected thus far. Very good. And that is my vote as well. Is uh, Hexfire? I think that uh, I, I like the the idea of being able to subvert the character through his non-player character demon. And I'm already thinking about mechanics of it. You know, it's funny. Other than Johnny Boondocks, we got it on the first round. All the characters other than Johnny Boondocks were from... Yep, you're absolutely right. Okay, so Tim, I know you were kind of on the fence. You wanted to hear how it all shook out. Yep. Tell me what you think. Well, it, it would be really funny to see a Siberian Husky and a uh, lieutenant police officer scarecrow. <laughs> that's, that's pretty funny, actually. That um, would be kind of awesome. <laughs> I think it'd be hard to role play though as a dog, so I think I'm just going to go with the hitchhiker. Very good. So we have our we have this part of the team. We have the guardian. We have the hitchhiker. We've got Johnny Boondock and Hexfire. Very good. So, you know, when you look at it, you've got the Guardian, who's kind of the, uh, uh, just based on description, uh, kind of a, a smart, kind of cerebral guy, right? You've got the Hitchhiker, who is certainly uh, a dark kind of character. Um, you've got uh, Johnny Boondocks, who, you know, while a scarecrow, definitely a foot in the real world. And uh, Hexfire, who is uh, you know a, a a a fire shooter, but also uh, also perhaps his personality is being changed. Perhaps, um, yeah. No, I like it. I think this is this is a good core. So next time we're adding one additional player, and we will sandbox that uh, player's character, and that player is one Mr. Mikey Mason. Um, and so we'll sandbox his character, and then we'll take all of our characters and say, okay, here are the characters that we have. Let's build a game around them. Let's talk about the things that we want to see in that game within our established Rainsboro setting. Ghosts of Rainsboro is an ideology of madness production. To listen to more adventures in this setting, go to ideologyofmadness.com or rainsboro.com. Music provided by Knox Arcana. To listen to more, go to knoxarcana.com. Rest well, and always, always stay in the light.